the wonderful Elaine C. Smith joins us and a live audience for today's How to Be 60 podcast. She entertains millions in Two Doors Down and at Miss Hannigan in Annie, so prepare for a treat. And then the next line, gonna lock her up in a trunk. So what? <laughs> Bet you've never listened to that before. I never listened to those lyrics before. You get five years in Berlin for that. <laughs> And I'm wondering how to be 60. It's scaring the shit out of me. So, welcome to a very special How to Be 60 with me, Kay Adams, and her, Karen McKenzie, because it's a live version, which we are going to be recording in about three hours' time at uh, the Glasgow Comedy Festival. Uh, right now, we are sitting in our little studio getting ready. Um, I don't know about you, I am very nervous. I am nervous as well. I'm excited. I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm cacking myself. Going to the toilet a lot more. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I'm surprised at how nervous I am. It is sold out. That's great. Which is probably a lot to do with the fact that Elaine C. Smith of Two Doors Down uh, it's completely uh, and totally is, is with us. So <laughs> thank you, Elaine. Uh, so there you go. That's uh, that's what it is. So as I say, we're sitting in our new studio, um, just sort of uh, yes. chilling a little bit before we go on. So we thought we'd have a chat before we do that. By the way, the Sankey. Do you like it? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It's very young. The only thing about it is, if I move my head, you'll see the cord. Look oh, at that. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like it's yeah connected to you. It does. So Keeps you alive. I'm going to have to paint that. So hopefully uh-huh. I will get that done at some point. Too much. No, very snazzy. So what are you wearing tonight? Well, I thought I'd doll up. I thought I'd kind of like you know get my glad rags on. Oh, really? And yeah, yeah, I don't often get a chance to. So I'm hoping you're doing the same. Well, I am going to be wearing the sweater that you darned for me because I think... Every- My Melbury one. The no, Melbury one. No, no, the blue okay. one. Go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, God, the Melbury one I think had nine, ten <laughs> holes in it, yeah, but all invisibly mended. Yeah, but nobody would be able to see them. Whereas, shall we say oh, that the blue one, the oh, darling, is a bit me. more visual. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. That's Trump. I know. Maybe and are like you going to, to be that. wearing the present that I gave you? Oh, is that the... Actually, I've not brought it out. I've not taken it out of the um, the packaging yet. So the bunny gonna... ears boob lift. Oh, well, yeah, you promised that you would. Will. No, I will. I will. If you wear the Mulberry jump. No, I will. I will. Are you? Have you got any yourself? No, I didn't. I didn't get any. Oh, God almighty. I, I did order yes, something wrong with my nipples. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with your nipples. I'm just saying, come on, you, you know, we're all human, even you. God almighty, it's debatable. You're 63. Inevitably, they'll be sagging a little bit. They are. I'm just talking about your nipples. Generally, your breasts. And so just a little bit of a... Oh, can I we'll make just all the difference. Listen, we need to employ Listen, every tool in the box tonight. I have to say, my HRT is sort of taking care of that. I keep saying that. It has. Do you not know? No, well, I think they'll look a lot better with the bunny. Well, no, they look okay. They look okay. Yeah. They're, I, that I'm and my back um, But these are all the rage, these things. Have you not seen Beyonce's gold pasties? I don't... Gold pasties? Is that yeah, what they call yeah, them? yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw this the other day and I thought, oh, I'm right on the money there. Beyonce has no. a set of gold, she calls them nipple pasties, which I think is a slightly strange expression, certainly for a UK audience, because you expect a couple of gangsters slapped on her paps. But um, no, it's, it's sort of little 
diamond-encrusted things that go on her nipples. And that's it? That's all she covers? Yeah, and then a sheer blouse. Mm-hmm. I'm actually thinking of getting a set because, <laughs> no, really, I'm rejuvenating everything else, aren't I? I mean, I've got my hearing aids. I've now have. got my eyes done. Could you be getting your lips liposuction next? Well, you know, I got the laser eye surgery. Oh, my God, I've forgotten about that. You didn't ask me about it. Hey, I'm so rude. You're no, really rude. so rude. What's it? It, it? Yeah, I mean, it was a weird old experience, I have to say. That gives me the creeps. But, I mean, I thought there was going to be somebody coming towards me with this big sort of six-inch needle and oh, sort of place oh, it into my eyeball. Point. I was convinced that this was going to be at the we night before. No, no, you're not out for the count, but they anaesthetise your eye. But honestly, it is uncomfortable, but not painful in any way yeah, at all. Tie your eye. Did they take a jag? No, it? just put cream on it. Oh, right, just put right. cream on it, and then they they lie you on the the bed. So you do go into a little sort of operating theatre setup. Uh, they lie you on the bed. They put this clamp on your eye so that you can't blink. You know, so oh, you like that. So you can't do anything, which is good because I was you, worried about blinking. But you want blinking. to then right away. Do you I know, but you can't and because you're anaesthetised. And then they shine this super, 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 super bright light directly in your eye, and so. I think I was aware of the lens coming out. Oh, my old lens coming out and something else going. But it's just really, it's like one of the psychedelic 60s lamps going on. Do you know the most traumatic thing? I was really frightened. From the minute I went in, and I was there for about two hours in total, but I mean only 20 minutes in surgery, about six people in public places asked me what my date of birth was. I mean, so I had to repeat oh. it. Over 21. No, I, I know I was going to. I had to repeat it over and over again. I'm looking at this young nurse. She's going, date of birth. And I was in 20. <laughs> date of birth. <laughs> I thought, what the fuck are you asking me that all the time for? That's funny, isn't it? They know that you've got hang-ups a bit. Did. And the other annoying thing for us, because actually, I mean, I'm calling it lens replacement surgery, but actually it's the same thing as you get if you've got cataracts. So, oh, have you had cat? Is no, that what you had? There you go. That's exactly what I was worried about. So, twice Dear. these lovely young nurses said to me, "Stop it!" That's exactly what they said. They said, "So, how bad were your cataracts?" <laughs> it does suggest I don't have no, cataracts. No, I'm sure you don't. I don't. No, no. But, but how ludicrous! Protesting too much. That's all I'm saying. Because what you protest is too much. <laughs> I mean, see, and, oh God. It's lens replacement surgery. Nothing. Oh, there obviously is because you don't want to be tired with that. Well, all I am pointing out is it's quite interesting, isn't it? We get a different reaction to cataract surgery than you do to lens replacement surgery. It is the same thing, but one of them is associated with age, and that's the other one it. Now is associated. It's associated with age, well, that's and what... that's what you don't want to talk about. Don't start acting like Inspector Clouseau. I was the one who pointed this out first, this anomaly. You're getting a wee bit pointy with your oh, fingers. Oh, my God. Oh, look, I've just seen a roll plug. <laughs> I am stressed. Oh, that's a roll plug. Oh, my God. Watch the dog. Do you know that this is a roll plug? Do you know my big discovery mm. of the whole lens replacement surgery? Open brackets, um, cataract, close brackets. Is I wore this lovely padded eye mask the night I got it done, just because I thought that might be quite nice. And I will never again sleep without a padded eye mask. Oh, stop it. Honestly, it's so lovely. It's just it's like, like Jennifer Coolidge. What's oh, my God, it's so lovely. You put it on <laughs> and it's like night, night. Have the best sleep. Honestly, I recommend these to everybody. Honestly, they're wonderful. Does it stop you hearing any snoring? 
next to you. It's an eye mask. No, I know that. I just wondered. Why would it stop me hearing snoring? Focus on that, then yes. you don't hear no, no, anything. Don't. Ian thinks he's sleeping with a lone ranger. That's not so good. Um, <laughs> but I have to say, yeah. it's not for you, the lens replacement surgery. Oh, why? Because they say that for 10 days afterwards, you don't have to, you have to have no activity that's going to raise your blood pressure. So there's no vigorous. Sitting here with you. There's no vigorous sex. And I mean, 10 days for you without any vigorous sex, you're just not going to be able to hack that, are you? <laughs> There's something, something lacking in your life. You keep banging on. No pun intended. About my sex Not life. for you, not for you. So if I were you, if you're going to do anything, stick with the teeth. That's still definitely an option for you. Well, I'm quite happy with my teeth. They are... Aging. They are... Anyway, I've got... They're full of character. Who wants teeth that are full of character? And fillings. <laughs> full of fillings as well. No, this are my own teeth. Yes. Anyway, so one little email, because this fits in with your sexy theme. Um, this is from Laura. And then we better go, we'll be late for the bloody show. Oh, I know. God, I've got to um, change and I hope you have to. Yeah, so this is Laura. Uh -huh. Says, ladies, I was driving out of town for a browse in a shop while listening to your podcast, laughing along, thinking, I need this book. The book. <laughs> Don't hold my well, head down. get a lot of uh, yeah. So, first stop, Waterstones. I must have spent an hour looking for this book while picking up much less obvious books, I suspect. Uh, they thought I might have been shoplifting as I was getting many a side-eye from staff <laughs> tidying shelves close by. Um, I can't count how many times I got asked if I needed help. And um, didn't see which book it was. No, he said, I, I didn't even know what section to look under. Is it hobbies and interests? Yes, yeah, well, could be. Nature, self-help, the list went on. Take Safe to say, I walked out with Davina's menopause book and James and the Giant Peach. Oh, <laughs> where that comes <laughs> I think it will be an internet purchase for me. Uh, keep up oh, the Let us know when you Thank get it, you, Laura. Hey, Laura, sorry, Laura. sorry, Laura. Yeah, there you go. So that was quite funny. Oh, I'll tell you what was nice mm -hmm. about getting that surgery. So two days after, I thought, I'm really going to take things easy, you know. Um, no vigorous sex. Um, but, you know, and I, so I I wasn't doing any work, so I got up a bit later. Oh, my about God, my you're getting I took some stuff back that I meant to take back for ages, and usually I was just left, and I'd never got the money back, a tin of paint. I put in a cheque at the bank for £13.41 that's been sitting on my desk for about six months and I probably would never, ever have cashed. I made courgette pargique, pargique, what do you call it Pargiana, par, par, Parmigiana. Parmigiana. Courgette parmigiana. Courgette parmigiana. Right. Two hours. God, good for you. I have not spent two hours making a meal in 13 years. that you actually just got a taste of what it's like to just cut right back on work. It was nice. It oh my was not. Nice. I'm loving this. Yep. Yep. But anyway, got to go. Very busy. <laughs> Live show tonight. Elaine C. Yes. We're right into it after this. Listen, I think it is time we welcomed our fabulous special guest. We are delighted to have her here this evening, Miss Elaine C. Smith. <laughs> So listen, I have to confess to everyone, and this is the honest truth, I get a bit nervous before these kind of events. What do you think, Elaine? I was saying to you earlier that I, I, I get nervous in that I want people to have a good time. Yeah. But I, I do, and enjoy it and feel that was worth it. But I don't anymore, I don't get into the, what if they don't like me? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. 
That's about being 60, by the way. In fact, almost 65, 65 this year. Um, so I, I think that's it. It's quite liberating in the, all the worrying and all the stuff you do in your 30s and 40s, particularly in show business. I don't worry about that anymore. I want to do a good job and I get nervous. I mean, before I go on as Miss Hannigan, I will be standing in the wings. I've played it before and it's a great part and stuff. But my thing will be, I want to do it the best I can. Mm. To, to, and I want the audience who paid a lot of money to come along to have a great time. So from a professional point of yes. view then, 64 seems like a 65 in August. Time. No, why do you keep rounding up? Stop rounding I know, up. People I know, got to stop know. rounding up. I think that's very Until the do. clock goes to 12. I know. Do you know what it is as well, though? I just feel... Now this, I'm going to get morbid for a minute. But I've lost so many friends over uh, when you get in your 60s. Yep. And I just feel it's a privilege to be here and to be this age and to celebrate it. And so, therefore, I don't mind. I never minded yeah. turning 60. I never minded... You know, I never thought, oh, my God. But that's also because I've been playing 60 since I was 25. <laughs> <laughs> so when people meet me, they go, oh, you're a lot younger than I thought you were. <laughs> if you've played... I started playing Mary Nesbitt when I was 28. Oh Did my you? God. Yeah, yeah. With that wig, the wig and the stuff. Uh, yeah. See if you've got a big chest, you get to play mums. <laughs> very early. <laughs> Well, I'll never know what that's like. Yeah, I know. Sadly, sadly, girls, forget (laughs) it. So the ageing process doesn't bother you? Well, you know, uh, things like not having eyebrows anymore drive me crazy. (laughs) Am I right? So uh, uh, things like that, when I get up in the morning, I think, oh, I'm bald, (laughs) because that's how it feels. So, um, you know, and and you go and get your eyebrows thin, because we know eyebrows frame your face. They... um, they make sh- they give you great expression and all of that. Now, if you're on stage and you're wearing a lot of stage makeup, you do have to really heavily accent your eyebrows. But uh, I've, that it's just in the last year or so I've noticed. And if you pluck a hair out, nothing grows back. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm going to go back to the professionals. So with the Oscars recently, and yeah. we had Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis, who both won for Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I did not have an bloody clue what was going on. Have you seen it? Did anyone understand? Did you understand I've that? seen it. I, 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 I think it was good because I saw... Did you see it in the movies? No, no, I, no. See, I saw it in the Everyman and it was bonkers. But actually seeing it as a movie on a screen, I wouldn't... I, I, if I'd watched it on Netflix or something, I'd got halfway through and thought I kind of arsed. Uh, but... <laughs> well, that's what I did. too short. Yeah, yeah. But actually going and seeing it in the movies, you, it, it was bonkers and brilliant. And I love oh, her. Right. I love Michelle Yeoh. And, and Jamie Lee Curtis, it was all over the place, but, but it is a movie. There are some things you need to see in the cinema. And did I you understand it? A lot of it, yeah. yeah. But maybe yeah. it's not one of these movies that you have to understand. You don't really. You come out going, that was amazing. That was bonkers. That was mad. Yeah. And they were good and she was brilliant. And that was, I'm not quite sure what it was, but, but actually, <laughs> I'm glad I saw it. That sort of thing. But, I mean, mm-hmm. much was made of both of their ages, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is 64, Michelle Yeoh is 60, and we've spoken for a long time about women, particularly in, in your business. Well, Jamie and I have always been up for the same parts. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> 
but a lot of stuff I went, you do it, Jamie, on you. You're you need the work. <laughs> You're so generous, aren't you? It's just who I am. I can't yeah, help myself. You are. Yeah. But you mentioned two doors down. Did yes. that come along at a good time for you? Remarkable time, actually. It was the first thing I'd seen in a long time that I thought was different. It was clever. It wasn't, no offence to Rab Sear, still get, was he setting a scheme? It was, it was a universality, nothing wrong with me setting a scheme, by the way. Uh, um, but it was just a bit different. And uh, so I went along, and I thought it was for one episode to play the wonderful Sharon Rooney's mum uh, in one ep. And, and it was only then they came back and went, no, 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 we're writing this as a character and we'd like you to play this character. And... It was weird. It fitted exactly in the dates that I was free. It was almost like meant it be. was meant. I was doing my show at the Fringe in Edinburgh and then I was finishing Gunnity Panto and this fitted right in the middle of it. So we did it. And what then happened was the writers sort of fell in love with Christine, <laughs> as you can see. And some of those lines. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> I'll tell you who does a good paracetamol. <laughs> <laughs> Morrison's. <laughs> and actually they do. <laughs> but I've had some stunning lines. The last series I loved. And, and what is wonderful is they change the line sometimes in the year you do them. And there's, one, there's an episode where the, uh, the, the two lesbians, gorgeous girls, uh, come and they're going to Australia. And Christine says, I've actually been thinking of holiday myself, you know. Yeah. Uh, oh, where, have you, where are you thinking of going? And I go, Hadrian's Wall. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they go, they say, uh, oh, really? And I say, yeah, there is the chance of them throwing in an overnight stay in Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that I could... I, I, the line was written, I don't think I'm up to a city break at <laughs> And Simon, the writer, came in and he went, oh, can you say that? And he couldn't say it for laughing. I said, what? He said, could you change it instead of I'm up to, could you change it to... I don't think I could cope. <laughs> and I just love the notion, I must have had 10 takes on that line, because the notion of being overwhelmed by Carlisle <laughs> is a stroke of genius, I think. But, but so, so they, they just sort of fell in love with Christine and, and I kept getting loads of lines piled towards me and all of that. So she's, she's a joy to play. She sure, well, but she's certainly not a glamorous character. No, I think no she's not. Say. The fat suit and the, the fat suit and the wig <laughs> and the no makeup and no eyebrows. Well, well, but you know what? It made me think again of a Jamie Lee Curtis. You know, uh -huh. the one that sometimes gets your jobs, bitch. Yes. But I read an interview with her, actually, before she played this part in Everything Everywhere, whatever it's called, and she said that one of the joys for her, she yeah. said, I've been sucking in my stomach yes, for, for years. 40 years. Mm. And actually, to play the character that she did, which was a very kind of plain, ordinary woman who wasn't particularly bothered about you know, looking a particular yeah. way, for her, was a real freedom. Liberational. Do you relate to that? Totally. It's, it's liberational to get... I, I've had a career because I'm prepared to look really hacky. <laughs> <laughs> but in real life, what is... 
You know, I'll play, I'll play Damon Panto. The thing about a woman playing a Damon pantomime and playing that is you've got to be up for taking the piss out yourself. Yeah. And say to the audience, come on, I'm going to make an arse of myself, come with me. I remember doing <laughs> Lara Croft. <laughs> and I had the complete, the costume was fantastic. And I had the fake legs and everything like that. And, my, and I also, I've been Lara Croft, I've been J-Lo with an inflatable arse. That was one too. And looking at myself in the mirror in the dressing room and thinking, why is Bob still married to me? <laughs> And then your vanity goes out the window because I think like a man, because I go, yeah, but is it funny? And too many times as women, we go, oh, but do I look fabulous? Or uh, uh, people are going to judge me on the way I look. There's a bit I do in my stand-up about the fact that uh, one of my nieces, you know, she was top of her year. She got, um, you know, our masters and top of her year in, you know, biophysics or something like that. And you go up going, oh, that was absolutely fabulous. That's brilliant. You're top of your year. And she goes, I know, but I look dead fat in my dress. Mm. How many of us have done yeah. that? You know, that not, and a man would never say that. A man would just go, I know, I'm fantastic. I'm like, mm-hmm. You know, I'm top of the year. I'm going to do that. So, so that, that I, I just think there is a liberation. In, and also there's a liberation in taking the fat suit off at the end of the night. Oh, aye. That you, you pull it on. And, and I, I wasn't a fat suit right at the start. But during COVID, I got, uh, I got fit. I just uh, looked at my diet. I looked. I was so sort of off my head. I think with anxiousness, <laughs> as lots of us were with anxiety. So exercise was what kept me going. So I lost three stone during that. So I walked by. I put a stone back on. No, but, um, but I'm still two down. I'm fine. Um, so I went on the set the first day I turned up, and of course we hadn't shot anything for a year, and they were like. Oh no, we can't have Christine. We can't have. So they came to me and said, Would you mind wearing a fat suit? And I said, Well, actually, Christine would have eaten her way through lockdown. <laughs> she would have adjusted on speed dial because Beth was the cooking for her and not allowed to come in and stuff. So I said, Let's make her bigger. So that's what we did. And and the hairpiece of the wig and all that. So, so listen, would yes. you, because I think of you as being very glam, would you, if you were asked to go out and open an event, would you go out or could you, if they asked if you go out as Christine, would you? I tend not to do it. I did it uh, years and years ago. I went out as uh, as Mary, Mary mm-hmm. Doll. I remember opening, <laughs> opening a Greg's and Governor. That was the glamorous life. Aye. Classy. <laughs> JB Lee was supposed to do it, but I got it. And they specifically asked if I would go. In the, but I, you've actually got to get permission from BBC. Copyright. Um, because they own to the go Greg's. <laughs> yeah, to go into Greg's. Certainly. Um, uh, yeah, the, so in those days, that's 25, 30 Aye. years ago or something, it was easier to do things like that, but I do it. There's a wonderful story about Gregor Fisher. Uh, he told me that he went out and he was... And Gregor, unlike me, I'll go out as myself. We've done gigs together where I'll do the after dinner and I, or I'll do my stand-up. So I'm me doing that. For a lot of actors, going out and being themselves is a nightmare. So for Gregor, Gregor's actually quite shy, so... 
the thought of that, so he, he would agree, and they'd pay him a fortune to turn up at some big corporate event with a bandage and the string vest and all that on. And he would have something written by Ian Patterson, and he'd do it. And he said, he remembered one day, his wee boy Jamie, as he was getting out, and he said, I, I knew I, I was tight for time, and there wasn't a dressing room where I was going, so he just, <laughs> he just jumped into his, you know, huge... Jaguar or whatever it was, as Rab C, as he was going out the door, they had the stuff oh and the bandage, and his wee boy said, Dad, well, I have to be Rab C when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a really sort of weird comment. No, no, son, you can be whatever you want. You don't have to be this guy. But that was his dad's job. We're talking about 64-year-old yes. um, Elaine C. Smith and the confidence that you've acquired. What was 20-year-old Elaine C. Smith oh. like? Oh, desperate for approval, uh, no good enough, a big no good enoughness on my shoulder. I was just finishing drama school. Um, I went to the Royal Academy, huh? as you see, as my actor voice, um, or the Conservatoire, as it now is. Um, and I, I got in at 17 from Newt Hill, from a minor village. Uh, I was that basically must have been a quite a leap. Oh, totally. There were girls in my year who who came from families who dressed for dinner. You know, <laughs> I was like, why? <laughs> you, put, you put clean trousers on? Is that where, you know, dressed for dinner? Um, why do that for to eat your tea in the kitchen, which is what we did? But, um, so going from, I mean, we were, we weren't, it wasn't Angela's Ashes or anything, you know, we were, we were my dad was a skilled worker, we had a council house in, in uh, Newt Hill outside Motherwell, but going to drama school was like, I, mm -hmm. I, I didn't know anything. I hadn't had a classical education. So I went, I went to the local comprehensive. Uh, and, and you didn't get taught about Greek drama or Aristotle or any of that when you were... So just sitting in there, I was... And, and going by a leotard and tights. I'm from oh Motherwell. <laughs> <laughs> you only do that when you're really steaming. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I do, you know, I remember at 17 a bit my audition for drama school. How I, I don't know how I get in actually. Um, because at the time, this would be 1975, and uh, the, long before your time, girls, <laughs> I'll explain it's history, history. Um, and, and three piece suits were really in, you know, with the waistcoat and the jacket. So I had a blue one out of Beard's mother, I thought it was the cat's pajamas. But <laughs> It was also that you wore really long trousers, you know, the really baggy ones. So you wore platforms, mm -hmm. and I didn't know anything about uh, when you when you went into uh, audition. So I wore my best gear, <laughs> and of course, there's all these girls sitting in leotards and tight. And I'm like, that's what are they to be do ballet or something? <laughs> and sat there. And so they then, when you had to do a movement workshop, so they told me to take, <laughs> take your shoes off. Well, I had these trousers about a oh, foot and a half, flatten them out and trip them up all over the place. And then it was one of the things they said, to play, you had to play tennis with yourself, right? <laughs> so they wanted to see your movement. Now, I love tennis, you love tennis as well. But, but so I, I thought, all oh, right, so you serve. And what they wanted to see was you then doing a backhand or forehand and all that sort of stuff, topspin, all that. But of course, I was 17 for my so I, I hit it over and then ran around the other side. <laughs> <laughs> to hit it back. I was knackered. 
sweating, flopping feet and all that. I don't, so I just, to this day, I don't know. You, you must have in. thought, that's a sin for that last thing. <laughs> just like, she's got comic potential. <laughs> so, but I was genuinely a fish out of water. I felt at 20, still completely insecure, completely mm. lacking in confidence, not a great amount of self-esteem. Um, and and that dogged me for you know for many many years that no, the I, I think maybe it's Scottish as well the no good enoughness gene yeah yeah <laughs> so what genetic. was the, what were the voices in your head then when you say it dogged you oh um, who are you who do you think you are don't you know even though you would you would speak up there was always the voice at the back going mm. oh yeah well you don't you haven't really done that properly have you researched that properly you're just saying that so. Um, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. And and it was a time in in Scotland as well where where being a woman mm-hmm. and and speaking was not encouraged, really I mean, at all. Speak? Oh yeah, yeah. You never noticed that in Scotland. They don't like women talking at all. Been up for it now. Well, is it because when I left university, my first job was down yeah. south, so I don't suppose I I had that same experience. Oh well, you were yeah. Certainly, certainly in England, that I always well, it never ceases to amaze me. Really, that actually, particularly in this city, it's women that run the city. Women always have, you know, that vocal. If you speak to men, they talk about their mothers, their sisters, their aunties. These sort of really almost Amazonian in lots of ways women who would be. I'll be up night school in a minute. <laughs> it's one of, one of my favourite stories. The wee boy that comes home tells his mother. That uh, that he's no got a, he's got a part in the school play, and she says, "What? What have you? What are you playing, son?" And he says, "I've got the part of the husband." And she went, "Right, I'm going up to that school," and he's going, "What?" And she goes, marches up to the school and says to the teacher, "Right, I've had enough of this. Uh, he's playing the husband. I want my boy to get a speaking part." <laughs> That's one for the men. One for the men. <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually, we do know, we do, uh, women, it's, I suppose part of my stand-up and my comedy and all of that has been about saying, actually, it's women that I find really funny. Mm. Women's turn a phrase. Women, they'll no miss you and hit the wall, as my mother would say, you know. <laughs> and, and, but ironically, Glasgow has this macho image that's built by men, made for girders or whatever, you know. But actually, what I found was that it was the women and women's humour. Mm. When I started doing stand-up even, and, and my own show, I'd have, I'd have taxi drivers going, oh, I hear you don't like the men, do you? <laughs> and basically, they'd never seen the show. They just assumed that me pointing out some of the stupidities of men... <laughs> was in some way that I hated them. <laughs> Funny that. And didn't, didn't notice that I was also pointing out the stupidities of women <laughs> and, and what, uh, what we put up with and what we did. So I, I would get that for a long time when I started out. And um, because I would be outspoken about violence against women and I would do th- stuff like that in my stand-up, but I would do it in a way that made people laugh, mm. you know, I don't mean you laugh at domestic violence, of course we don't, but actually there was a whole section, I remember 25 years ago I was doing about the popular song and how the popular song 
basically drives women off their heads because for years we've been called girl, doll, baby. Stay young and beautiful if you want to be loved. You're young, you're beautiful, you're mine. Sweet 16. Basically saying if you're, if you're 40 or over, you're not worthy of love. Tell us. I, I read up this song that was, uh, oh, you're 42 and pretty heavy runa hips. You like your chips. <laughs> But I still love you. <laughs> and I'm telling you, if Adele sung that, that would be a number one. I know. <laughs> but, but just pointing out that those songs telling us, stay young and beautiful, sweet 16, you're young, you're beautiful, you're mine. You know, all those songs get in and sort of drive you off your head. And, 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 and there's subliminal messages in there to women mm. saying, you know, that you're actually not lovable if you're not those things. Mm. So I was taking a really feminist line, if mm. you like, but the best way to do it is make folk laugh. I, I realised that the popular songs that I grew up with, you know, like, um, I would, I would like, Live and Doll, right? Now, it was only when, <laughs> it was only when I, I started listening to the words of songs, because you don't, you yeah. know? And there's Cliff giving it, you know, uh, got myself a crying, talking, sleeping, walking, living doll. I gotta do my best. So you go along with that while my uncle's singing it and round the house. And all, gotta do my best to please her just because she's a living doll. I got a roving eye. That's okay if he's a guy. He can have a roving eye. <laughs> got a roving eye, and that is why she satisfies my soul. God, myself, you know what? I cry, whatever it is. Walking, talking, living doll. Take a look at her hair. It's real, and if you don't believe what I say, just feel. <laughs> Folk just walking up and grab And then the next line, gonna lock her up in a trunk. So what? <laughs> Bet you've never listened to that before. I never listened to those lyrics before. You get five years in Berlin for that. <laughs> A woman going, you know, oh no, it's all right, he locked me in the trunk, but that means he loves me. <laughs> what? Well, the, the other one I've heard you talk about, what was it? Hey, little girl. Did oh, it that's it? my favourite, Jack Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> and of course, it was on Songs for Swinging Lovers. <laughs> that, was, that was his uh, 60s album. And my mother loved Jack Jones. Jack Jones, handsome, beautiful man. And then, of course, you listen to the words, and it's, uh, hey, little girl, comb your hair, fix your makeup. Soon he will open the door. Oh my God. Don't think because there's a ring on your finger, you don't have to try anymore. <laughs> oh, that's unreal, isn't it? For wives should always be lovers too. Run to his arms the moment he comes home to you. I'm warning you. Cause day after day, there are girls at the office. Oh I have to do this, God. you have to do this. And men will always be men. <laughs> So don't sit around with your hair still in curlers. You may never see him again. 
For wives should always be lovers too. Run to his arms the moment he comes home to you. I'm warning you. This is a kicker, this one. So, hey, little girl, you better wear something pretty. <laughs> pretty. Something you'd wear to go out to the city and dim all those lights, pour the wine, start the music. It's time to get ready for love. Oh, my God. You believe it? That was number one in the charts. No wonder women are off their heads. Yeah? That's hellish. That was... That was oh on Songs God. for Swinging Lovers. Yeah, and that, those messages go, going out to women. So, <laughs> so, see, that's the way you laugh at it. And then, and then the most women I know, when I do that, they go, oh, I've never listened to the lyrics before, no, you know? I, Messy Gray and all that is why you do. I try to walk away and I choke. Try to walk away and I stump. Get up half your knees, Messy. <laughs> You'll meet somebody else, don't worry. Away out with your pals and have a good time. <laughs> but ironically, am I right in saying that your husband has been one of your greatest cheerleaders? Absolutely. And he's the butt of the joke a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but but he yeah, he's uh, he's he's a feminist, you know, he's not he's not frightened, he likes women. Hey, <laughs> go figure. He like he likes the company women, he likes women, he likes her humour, he had a wonderful relationship with his own mother. And and uh, politically, never saw any barrier in many ways to uh, to a woman stand up. He's my my greatest cheerleader, and would say things like, "No, say that. That's funnier." Or when I come off, he'll say, "I'll say that was going well. You've been funnier." <laughs> <laughs> you learn after that, I'll tell you. <laughs> you can say that the next morning. When I go, see that bit? How was that? Well, funny, you should say that. But you don't, you go, see, ah, you've been funnier. <laughs> no, none of that. What, what, what was your mum like? Uh, my mum, Stella. My mum, my granddaughter's actually called Stella after her. And my mum was, well, you know, quite, she was a wonderful, I mean, obviously she was my mum, so I adored her. But like a lot of women of that generation, I think, she lived a bit vicariously through me and, and uh, the things that were, that were possible for my generation weren't really possible for her. Um, her family were quite academic. She was bright, but she didn't want to pursue that. Married my dad, who was a, you know, a skilled manual worker. Uh, and, and in many ways, she sort of went, she would go into convent school and all that and was bright girl. So it was seen that she had stepped down a bit by marrying a manual worker, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Our, our brother was a, a consultant and all of that sort of stuff. But having said that, she did a Shirley Valentine the way she, um, she went back and did her hires and she trained uh, as a nursery teacher and then, uh, then after about 10 years left my dad. <laughs> oh, right, did she? Um, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, she left and had her own life. And got to that point where she, where she would say, oh, I wouldn't see a man on my road. <laughs> and and it, was very, it was distressing and difficult for all of us. But they'd been unhappy for a long, long time. So um, I, I think that I learned a huge amount from her. But she also learned a huge amount. And a lot of the time, 
my my desire to go on, my desire to be successful was about saying to her, look, this is possible. And she did live a bit vicariously through me and my success or whatever. And it was very strange when she died. She died at only 71 of breast cancer. And devastating, devastating for us. And uh, But I remember thinking, oh, what do I do now? Because I had... I'd, felt for a long, long time I was living it for her and, and saying, look, come with me. You could look at experience this. And, and you know, I don't think my mother ever thought, you know, my mother would do that thing mothers do, you know, you're headlining the King's Glasgow and the Panto and all of that. And my mum would say things, I, you know, I never thought you'd be able to do that. Thanks, mum. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, mum. Thanks for that. But, you know, that sort of backhanded compliment in a way. But... Um, yeah, she she was a wonderful, you know, she's your mother, so, yeah. but complicated. How, how old complex. were you when your mum passed away? My mum passed away, I was 40s, yeah, mid-40s. So, compared to lots of other people, I was really lucky, mm. and when she left my dad, she came and lived with us as well, and um, and that was tricky, yeah. you know, because I, I have to have a relationship with my dad. And unfortunately, my, having my daughter, Katie, really healed a lot of, of that. But even the night that Katie was born, my mum and dad, it was such a bitter separation, <laughs> were in the room in the Southern General and, and didn't even say we've got a grandchild. You know, they had to come in separately and all that. So it was, it was pretty, pretty tough, pretty dark. Mm. So you've got a little Stella now, a little granddaughter. Little Stella Belle, yes, yes. So... Eight. The arc then from your mum through you to your daughter and little Stella, what, what do you hope for for her? Oh, God, in the world we live in at the moment, I just hope we survive. <laughs> um, I just, I hope that certainly in, in the country we live in, that, that she has the, more of the opportunities that young women particularly should have, the older women should have as well, that she lives in a more equal and uh, less violent place. I think there's a level of misogyny out there about women and about success. And it, it's fear from a lot of men as well. And, and I say that as someone who loves men, but, um, but I think that there's a, a nasty hinterland out there that I hope that, that Stella can navigate and young women particularly can flourish in because I don't I've got two daughters and my youngest daughter's an actor and and she's writing her own stuff and and all of that and on at the comedy festival just now but you know I see how difficult it is for them I'm sure you do you get daughters as mm. well and um, it, it's it's a hard hard road but they're they're tough the stuff that would have sent me scurrying away, I think, when, my, when I was 20. It's not doing the same to a lot of these young women, which I think, that's down to us, of course. Yeah. That's down to us, all the women in this room, and the good men as well. <coughs> so, that's you, sir. Yes, that's you. <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> so, Karen, have you got our bingo questions? To... Oh, Random numbers between 1 and 50, and the lovely Karen will ask you two questions. Okay. That's me. Um, uh, eight. Oh, eight, right. Oh. Stella, my granddaughter's age, so eight. Right. Hardest year of your life. <gasps> mm. 
the year my mother died. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you, you never really recover from that, I suppose. Uh, yeah, that's um, nearly 20 years ago now, but the year she died, and it was that permission to live, you know, can we go on, how do, we, how do I go on? And, how did and you go on? Um, was really, really hard. Um, I think for about a year, I was half a wife, half a mum, half a sister. I just went through, you know, that thing of, uh, I went on one night and, and read a thing, you know, middle of the night, couldn't sleep, greeting, all that. When we got, and I typed in to the to, to internet, I typed in <laughs> uh, grief over death of mother. And up come screeds and screeds of stuff. And something I, I read, which was brilliant, and I've said to many friends who've gone through it, walk, talk, eat, sleep, don't try and do anything else. Don't sell your house, don't change your job, don't leave your husband, don't do any of those things. Don't make major life changes when you're in grief like that. Mm -hmm. Just get up and get, you know, get through the day, you'll still cry, you'll still do all that. That was great, great advice for me to do. But also I had, it shows how off my head I was, I was in bed one day in the morning, I know that way when you're sort of half waking up, and I, I felt my mother over me, with a finger like that, right? And I was still sort of all over the place with grief, and she went, right lady, you get your arse in gear. Do you think I tried so hard to stay here for you to piss it all away? Get up and get on with it. And I woke up and it was my mother's voice. I don't know where it came from. And I remember going downstairs and saying to Bob, saying, I've just had a complete shuriken off my mother. <laughs> shuriken. <clears throat> a shuriken. Shuriken. Oh, it's a great East End Glasgow. Oh, right. Oh, pure shuriken. A shuriken. It's an Irish or Gaelic word, I think, uh, that meaning you've had a, a complete row. Rollicking. A rollicking off my mother. And he thought, oh, she's finally flipped. This is it. <laughs> And uh, I, I told her what had happened. And, and uh, from that day, it was almost like I had permission from her to, to live, live, to go on and thrive and all of that. So, um, yeah, that, that was hard. Mm -hmm. Hard just to go on and, mm -hmm. and uh, live without her. Permission to enjoy your life without her as well. Yeah. To laugh mm -hmm. again, mm -hmm. you know. Okay then, Elaine. Another question. Another. Um, another. Um. Okay. Number. My age, twenty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> Over twenty-one. Over twenty-one. No, twenty. Come on. 20. Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. You <clears throat> got to twenty-eight. Yeah. Hold on. Do you have a secret ambition? To no, no, I don't. <laughs> right. I I think I've I've got to the stage of my life where I just am glad I keep working and doing stuff. But I but actually the pandemic. Uh, made me really stop and realise that I'd been doing five jobs when I could be doing one, which many women do anyway, having kids, all that. And I was knackered. I was really 30 years of, of doing four and five jobs at one time and, and thinking, oh, I need to do this, involving politics, involving this. And I just stopped. And all I felt was an amazing relief. So going forward, I only want to do what I want to do. I'm here tonight because I want to be here. That's I wanted to do it, and that's it. I don't mean in a, a selfish way, um, but 
rather than I think I was always a people pleaser, you mm-hmm. know, run around going, oh, why well, I need to do that, or that's a really good cause, or that's that, and that that is gone, and and it's quite liberating to get to that point to do what you you're want. You're taking a breath. You're yeah. doing what you want to do. You know what's coming next, key. <laughs> no, well, that's for another conversation. I'm so, so grateful that you pleasure, did choose to pleasure. come tonight. Um, You're not sleeping, Luke. No, there's, <laughs> there's certainly not. You've been wonderfully entertaining, <laughs> thought-provoking. Thank you so much. Elaine C. Smith. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Oh, that was fun. Uh, just in case you're wondering, Karen's bunny ears boob left was a huge success. We even saw a hint of cleavage. Don't tell her I told you that. We are back next week with Mr. Reggie Reggie Sauce himself, Levi Roots. Mm-hmm.